Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The past is history. The future mystery. This moment is the gift. Every second Welcome, 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 Miracle Makers. We are in UBN studio and we are here for you. This is Dr. Sarah Larson in studio with my Miracle Maker husband. I just called to say I love you. My, it's my heart always. It's this little <laughs> message to me all the time. I'm calling out to my love to tell her I love her. Oh, thank you so much. Mm. And we miracle makers are calling out to you this Thanksgiving weekend and mm. just sharing here in, in the United States. We've been able to celebrate Thanksgiving and Thanksgiving is a holiday that's been celebrated here for a very long time. And Thanksgiving was celebrated by different communities at different times at one point in our country. And a beautiful woman named Sarah Josephina Hale put together a campaign and began writing presidents from President Polk all the way until President um, Lincoln made it a way that we could be a unified nation. He declared Thanksgiving a national holiday in the land that we're in. And so we are coming to you after our own Thanksgiving um, miracles, really, really amazing experiences that we've had with our family and with our celebrations. And in those miracles, we also had to release one of our puppies. And when I say release, we woke up Thanksgiving morning with a puppy that wasn't moving. And this beautiful puppy, this amazing puppy that we have, um, we're dedicating our show to a puppy named Piglet. And this is a family portrait that was taken by Lori Stevens. This amazing puppy right here was Greg's favorite. Mm -hmm. And we're, we're dedicating this show and we're dedicating conversations into the gifts that tragedies or the gifts that when things are not the way you think they should be can give to you. And so, baby, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about Piglet, about Fozzie Bear. We mm. also called him Mountain Goat. He was just a very special puppy to me, and I'm, I don't know, it's a tough one to let go. We were, we woke up in the morning, he was not doing well, so we brought him to the animal hospital, my, my daughter and I, and it's, all the puppies are her grandchildren, so, and when the nurse came back out and said, you know, he is, he is not going to make it, and it would be best if we put him down, it was just such a shock, because I just thought they were going to give him some formulas or whatever they are going to do, and he was going to recover, and so it was just such a shock, and to have that happen on Thanksgiving morning, um, with all the busyness of that day yet to come. So I'm still processing it. It's a little sad because, um, you know, uh, although he was in all of our care, I just felt like, you know, is there anything I could have done? So I'm going through that process. And then the other process is, you know, just being thankful for his life and all the ways he made me laugh and all the ways he coaxed me into giving him a belly rub because he loved just to lay <laughs> in my lap with his on his back with his ears flopped out and I would pet his belly. And he was just such a, an adorable little puppy that I'm, I'm still going through that. But, you know, I guess what it, since he has passed, we just have to be at peace with that and be in acceptance of that. Just thankful for the miracle of life, no matter how you know, short that is, or no matter how quickly it can, f it disappeared so quickly. He was alive and vibrant on Monday, and by Thursday morning, he was no longer with us. It was like such a quick 
experience of how that of how that happened. We had him in the garage with the other puppies. Mm. The the fence. They were able to get out, and um, a couple of the puppies were not feeling just perky. And so we had them in the garage for two reasons and to wake up and, you know, when I parked my car at 11 o'clock at night, just this puppy was moving around, not quite himself. And then to wake up and have that experience is really, really hard. Mm. And um, as Thanksgiving and as holidays roll around, we're reminded of members that aren't with us or mm. we're reminded of experiences that we've had in the past. And for myself, I have to say it's either all in divine right order yeah. or it's not. Or an Albert Einstein quote, you, know, every, you have to live as if everything is a miracle or it's not. And even a death Mm. all divine right order and it's up to us to create the understanding around it that matches Mm. the greatest good that's possible for all connected to it and grieving is the natural response to loss and in the um, past few weeks our nation is just went through an election and our nation is expressing what it wants and what it doesn't want. And um, Jackie Onassis has been coming to me so strongly. Mm. It's really interesting. My voice has started to change to reflect her voice in conversation. And so moving from the conversation of our puppy, all divine right order that this beautiful piglet has passed on and us grieving we move now the conversation to one of the biggest griefs that uh, uh, Jacqueline Onassis, her husband in her arms, picking up pieces of his brain, um, has been coming and sharing amazing information on what's happening in our nation and where we can move as a nation. Jackie Onassis was the wife to um, the president, and what she's been sharing is not only did she have that experience, not only did uh, her husband get brutally murdered in her arms, uh, she had to go through and bury and she had to go through and live out the rest of her life with knowing what's possible. The the harshest things of society, she had to live that, not knowing who may have killed her husband. She had to live with them. Um, and she lived in New York City with her kids out exposed. All of that bravery, all of the things that she took on and the message she has for us, um, I really want to share this is an infinite message of all time, is the shadow world, the world that we don't see exists in all of us. And in our politics, in the politics of the world, that is what we're seeing. The president just before now would have made, so Obama was the last president elected in this country, and Martin Luther King and all of the dreams, seeds that were planted during Martin Luther King's time, JFK time, came to fruition with having a black president during the last eight years. And now we have moved into the whitest of white presidents, the extreme opposite of the the energy, the fear, that energy that kept um, powers that be down in the 60s, the exact opposite has been elected. And she really wants us, Jackie Onassis, wants us to recognize that if we go into fear, if we're not living out in the open, if we're not in what um, comparatively after this experience, she went and she lived the rest of her life with 
uh, faith, with love, with letting herself be photographed or not shielding herself. Our country has made a movement all the way to having a black president. Now has a president-elect that also could be very powerful for other reasons to bring the next layer of awareness through for us collectively, not to polarize us, but really to unify us. If we begin actively communicating, uh, writing, um, the last little part of Obama's presidency, if we begin saying, Obama, what is your legacy going to be? What pre presidential uh, mandates can you issue? Presidential executive orders can you issue to protect the Native Americans, protect the changes that have been made, protect in a positive way what we as a nation want to experience? That's one part of the power. Use your voice to have that be changed. Don't be so afraid uh, of what is in power now it's it's coming up to the light in order to be fully radically witnessed and cleansed and baby i'd love for you to share a little bit as we're talking oh my gosh yeah that whole there's there's so many layers to the whole experience because there is there is um a lot of strong feelings and there's like you say there's shadow there's there's such a um it's complex, yes. <laughs> to say the least. But ultimately, you know, we were listening to this uh, movie this morning as we were getting ready, The <clears throat> Shadow Effect by Debbie Ford. It's like you just have to be in that knowing that, you know, most likely nothing super catastrophic is going to happen. And so, mo and ultimately, as we go down the road, we can look back and say, well, there was this that, that was good that came from it. We are more aware now, or we're more... We're more, we need, we realize we need to be more active now if we want to see the changes we want to see come to fruition. So all of it is good. All of it is like Albert Einstein said, you either see it all as a miracle or you see it, nothing is a miracle. Yeah. You can't have one or the other. You have to see it. So it's, it, for me, it's a beautiful reflection of that right there. I just have to stand in that knowing that there is, there is some goodness, there's some miracle that's coming out of this. I just need to be aware and present to that and not get mired down by shadow talk, shadow feeling, shadow... The fear aspect the of it. The fear this. aspect of it, yeah. And so everything is either in divine right order or it's not. It, we have to believe that with our elections. Everything is a miracle. You have to live as if everything is a miracle. Yeah. And Jacqueline Onassis was a survivor, mm -hmm. and she even went on to thrive and her work... And another woman that wrote letters and created change mm. through what she was, uh, through her intelligence, able to get us to connect deeply with ourselves. And as we're talking, I have so much I want to share. Mm -hmm. It's the, I am just so excited about our guest that is coming on this show with us. Our guest is phenomenal. Mm. She is um, an amazing woman, and I love I love her name. I love her stories, and she calls herself a serial survivor. No matter what you're going through, dear miracle makers. This woman's story and stories will move you mm. into a greater understanding of yourself and what's possible. Gems, great gems coming from our guest, Linda Ragsdale of Peace Dragons. Welcome. Thank you so much. <laughs> Right, I've, I've been listening to the story and I, I'd love to share a couple of, of thoughts um, on the process of this and, and coming to understand the totality of who we are as exemplified in, in the nation and the results of this election. And like you were saying, the light and dark within all of us and which at the Peace Dragon, we specifically ask, which are you empowering? Which are you putting into play in your life that is the dominant power that you are putting out into the world? And so the questions we need to ask ourselves is, what are we adding to in this environment? 
Um, this summer, I had the great joy of being on a coral uh, trip. My daughter is a, uh, a senior at Pepperdine out in, in Los Angeles and a, a coral performer, and, and we were in Prague. And Prague is known for a wall, which is the John Lennon wall. And, and being a, a peacemaker, I, I needed to go and see this wall and, and everything that it had to say. And when, when I saw the wall, I, I had to photograph it because there were so many voices on this wall that everybody had written on it and, and people had written over everybody's words and they had, you know, plastered over this. So nobody's voice was being heard. You, you would get snippets of this and there were people who were taking the time to put this voice out there and, and to be heard. So the question is not to be the most powerful voice. It is not to be the one that goes out, but in the light of the trip that I was on, the vision is how do we come together as that chorus? How do we become the choral of the energies we wish to put out into the world? You have the spans in music, all the different voices, and yet they all work together. So to me, the question is not becoming the most powerful voice and everything else, but finding how to create a voice that everyone has their part and everyone gets heard. And, and the chorus of it together is what creates the unity and beautiful outcome that we see. And right now, I think I, I look at that, I remember that wall and just how noisy it was. And yes. nobody was listening. And nobody, that is such a powerful, <laughs> powerful reflection. The idea that we right now as a world are a chorus. And because we have are a chorus in so many areas, that's so beautiful, Linda. It's so, so beautiful. The change that we wish to see in the world exists in the tribes um, in our living rooms, in our families, at those Thanksgiving meals, and at these moments of football games, at these times that we gather, that's some of the times that we can fine-tune our group's chorus to be able, our group song, our group way of being, to amplify what's possible, the light and dark aspects of society all being heard and all being witnessed and all moving collectively. That's um, so beautiful. And I love the question that you posed. Um, there's the light and the dark within us. And which one are you putting forward? Which, which one are you feeding, so to speak? Or which one are you listening to and co-creating with? Sometimes people get stuck at judging themselves for having the light thought or the dark thought instead of really just deeply listening for why did they have this need for the dark to come up in that moment or the light to show in a particular way in that moment instead of judging, just accepting both are present and one the one that you're actively giving voice and attention to in the moment is where you can make a change or where you can shift. Baby, I'd love for you to chime in just a little bit here. You know, that, that has been my approach is to, you know, um, in, in part of it, because maybe I'm just optimistic by nature or I'm, you know, a positive person by nature, whatever that is, but I've been gifted with that ability to, to, see the positive and to keep moving forward to, you know, to um, see the gift in everything, really. And then to have the resiliency and the, and the grit to push forward and move forward because, and then that's how I met you. That's, you know, so much good in my life has come not from just having everything, you know, having a blissful, peaceful experience. Yeah. There's been a lot of pain. There's been a lot of setbacks. But having the resilience to move forward with optimism, with a positive force or a positive experience and being able to attract into my life, you know, richer and deeper experiences. And now I have such a rich and deep experience, so blessed. And whether it's our beloved little piglet passing away or whatever that is, it's there's I'm able to more and more see the gift in all of it. Which is so beautiful. Yeah. And Linda, I can't wait to highlight all the thank you, baby. That was mm. such a great point. 
um, to highlight all of the your you call yourself a serial survivor. And I'd love for you to share with uh, miracle makers that don't know your history, just all of the different stories, maybe starting with the car accident and um, going into you were in a terrorist attack, one of the most brutal that made in Mumbai. You've also survived cancer and there's the Northridge earthquakes. All of these different, um, one mile away from the epicenter, all of these things that you survived, you've got so much in yourself with that grit, with being able to, I'd love for you to share your story around this. I, you know, and, and it, it's interesting because you're talking about Thanksgiving and uh, it was American Thanksgiving eight years ago, coming up this 11-28, which is the anniversary of the Mumbai attacks. And um, I had, you know, loved meditation. It was a retreat for me because one of the things we didn't touch on is um, after I delivered my third miracle baby, um, because I started losing my ovaries when I was uh, 16, I, I still had three incredible, beautiful children, but after I delivered my baby, I started having issues, and I started going on to this 14-year medical mystery tour of what does Linda have, and I was put from lupus to MS and then to fibromyalgia until I finally said, you know, I believe my body can find its way through here because I wasn't finding relief, and meditation offered me this ability to find everything in nothing. And I was given an opportunity to travel with a meditation group to Mumbai and uh, just scooped it up. I, I, I wanted to be there. I knew I, I needed to be there and not on the greater level of understanding exactly what this trip was going to do to my life. And um, the gift of what it was in the same time of it being wrapped in the darkness of what we understand in life. And um, after every meal in Mumbai, after you know, day of meditation, we would all go and have dinner in the restaurant in the uh, um, Tiffin Hotel and and um, in the Oberoi Hotel, the Tiffin was the restaurant, and it, it was joyous. It was a lovely event. And here you're talking about a room filled with the noises. And when you sit at dinner tonight, or when you go into a, a restaurant, listen to the din of the people and the joy in the room. And you know, that, that errant laugh, that ha 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 breaks out of it and the clinking of glasses. That is the music of life. And we were immersed in this. And then in two seconds, two flashes of light in the corner of my eye, and the restaurant became a literal blanket of bullets that threw everyone into the idea of, of what do we do? And Naomi, who was a 13-year-old girl sitting next to me, was grabbing for her father, and we needed to get her underneath the table, and we had to get everyone. Is everyone safe? And we're getting everyone down, and the bullets are going over, and the, and the, the air is so violently vibrating from the heat of the bullets that we cannot see one another even as close as we are and just as violently as it started it stopped and in this moment we we saw that we were at our little dinner table in our world there that we were alive and and this little dinner table I came to understand as the family, this universal family. I was at the head of the table. Naomi's father was at the other side. Naomi was 13 years old at the time, the same age as my daughter back at home. There were uh, two other couple, two other friends from um, Canada there and another woman from Nashville. And here we were, it was aunts, uncles, family, friends at this dinner table. And the shooting started again. And to our dismay, the bullets, the gunfire was not going away from us. It was coming closer. And so we had to wait as they came table to table and were executing anyone who had survived the initial pass through. And in the moments that we waited for the gunfire, we were the last table in the restaurant. And I had convinced myself that what could could possibly be coming at me was certainly a monster, that there is no way that that this could be a human being, that it had to be an alien creature from another planet because we were not at war. We had 
nothing going on that would have caused someone to do this and you could not be in human form and walk into a place where it was a celebration of life, not a conflict of life. And I waited and the gunfire got closer and I had laid myself over a friend of mine and was facing a column of, of marble that was highly polished and was a mirror to what would be coming for me. And as I waited more convinced that this monster would turn that corner, when I saw the barrel of the gun and my heart broke as it was, uh, I was a child. And in this young man's face, I saw my own son's face. I saw the shape of it, which was the same shape as my 20 year old. And I couldn't help but be the universal mutter in that moment and look at that child and wonder, weren't you told you were loved? How did you get here with this gun? Why do you have to come speak to me with a gun? How did I not hear you? How did I not know you were here in this space in your life? I would have made room for you at the table. Why weren't you at the table with us? And this child, this warrior in this restaurant came in clothing that for me in Nashville, it was a uniform, a school uniform. It was khaki pants and a white shirt. And I was doing loads of volunteer work in the school. So this is a child I would have been having a conversation with. And this backpack that was oversized, that should have been packed with books, was filled with enough ammunition to cause dire damage in this world. And his belt was not there to hold up his pants, but to hold shrapnel to make sure that if he detonated himself, that he would cause more destruction. And when I put my head down in the breath that took place, I, I couldn't reconcile some of the fear that he was showing me. And I was wondering why this, this, this boy who held the gun, who held everything, how did, how did he feel frightened? And I realized that I thought he was a monster and I was his monster. And the relative question then, the universal question out of that was, how did two people who have never spoken a word to one another, get to a place where one of them is holding a gun and one of them is at the other end of that gun. Oh my God, Linda, that's so, mm. such a profound, profound experience to be sharing. Thank you so much for sharing that. And what you, uh, there's so much more. I just want everyone that's uh, miracle makers, as you're hearing this, many of us have imagined horrific things or horrific monsters. And when we come face to face with them, go ahead, Linda, from where you are. Right, we do. We When we come face to face, this was a child. So as soon as I saw this human, not this monster, turn the corner, That was the clue that uh, we had been in these illusionary states. So one of the dangers that we have is living in these illusion states where we have labeled and created such a distance between truth and reality through these lenses that have been applied and not being able to look within ourselves and see when we are not only the one that's applying the, the lens, but because we're applying this lens and probably acting out through that lens, we indeed become the reflection of that hatred or that fear or that element. So in those moments, that complete lack of truth within this young boy's life and mine was the illusion that we were both monsters. And then the discovery of you're just, you're just a mom and I'm just a boy. And... The world, I believe, is counting on us to really bring forward all the illusionary states that we've created within ourselves with these extreme experiences that are coming up in order for us to really begin to take ownership collectively as a community 
of what we've created. As someone who was born in a developing country that came to the U.S. and has been shown such kindness throughout my life, what I can see both aspects. You, as a Western woman, in the land in India at the time in Mumbai, um, when it's so fun to travel, when when we went with an African-American into some areas, they called him Michael Jackson because all of the information coming in, all the African-American, when they looked at this darker skinned man, they compared him and didn't have reference points for um, anyone other than Michael Jackson. Same thing with our blonde friends, but they saw her as Pamela Anderson because the features of her face are through the lens of having seen Pamela Anderson on television over and over and over again. And so their lens is seeing a beautiful woman with blonde hair as the reflection of Pamela Anderson or um, a beautiful black man as Michael Jackson with the ability to sing and dance. And, um, in this state, the illusionary state is all Americans are signing their names on to what's being done in America's name in these far off lands um, or um, in the name of religion or in the name of something, someone showing up that has the clothing or the skin color or that we've automatically in our illusionary state with our lenses are looking at them as a monster rather than something to experience and listen to and connect with. I I get a little bit giggly because I remember, you know, as, as a child, my mother saying, you know, be careful who you hang out with because you will be assumed that you are like them. Yes. And at that time it was regarding hanging out with kids that smoke cigarettes. And so, you know, the fact is that if I hung out with them, people wouldn't believe that I wasn't a smoker because they automatically, automatically group. So here you're, you're exactly right. That lens that we need to categorize someone instead of looking at the individuality of everyone within the circle of being uh, an American, a Muslim, a Christian, uh, you know, any group, anything. Whenever we group, we do a disservice to the individual and we do a disservice to everyone within that, that identity because it isn't an identity. If we start to wipe away all of that and, and we look at each other as human, then that slips away. Um, so, but I, I, I had to giggle because like I said, I just remember that, that false thing. And, and we do have a Rolodex of knowledge and a Rolodex of ideas. And what I think we're all finding is these are faulty Rolodexes. This information that we have cataloged, this stored information, we now can go through, parse out what is no longer true, parse out what is necessary, and what we're seeing that is active, not only within others. When we see the fear, then we have to understand that that fear is based within ourselves, and what is it that would diffuse that fear and exempt, you know, send that back to the other person and find out what their fear was because there is a unity right now of fears and the lack of truth and communication is what's happening. So, uh, you had said it so beautifully. We are at this opportunity. You know, when we look at this in the positive sense, we're at this beautiful opportunity of learning how to put together a positive lens to all of this and seeing how we can unite one another to create this better world. Not a power play over voice, not a power play in uh, diminishing anyone, but actually creating a flourishing environment for everyone. And, and that becomes the question because we also have the ability to um, what they call uh, the circle of of violence, which is when someone's in power, then immediately when the power uh, switch is switched, 
then the other people are going to try and do another power play off on, on the other people. And so there's never any peace. There's only the switching of power. And that's what we have this opportunity to look at. It is not the question of power. It is the question of positive power in play. It is the question of unity in play that becomes our, our greatest strength in trying to put together. So it, part of it right now is if we need to look within ourselves and find out what that source of the fear is and realize that light and darkness within us is also fear found in others. So how do we start a conversation that assages these fears, opens them up and creates these bridges to really creating a unified country through the divides that we assume are there. It's, and I, that's the other thing. There is an illusionary assumption that we are far as far divided as we are. But perhaps there are only louder voices in play right now. And that, as everyone starts to use their voice, we will find that it really isn't um, as powerful as we think. There isn't as great a divide as we think. There is just work to be done. And I, I love the the statement, or this illusionary state. It's not that we need the world to change or shift. It's the way that we're looking at it to change. It's the way in which we see what is happening to shift. And I, I truly believe we're co-creating the world, our experiences, the voice, as we're viewing it's opening our eyes and looking at what is really happening and looking through the lens of one, it's all in divine right order, two, there are basic needs that are looking to be met and it's our own basic needs. And um, I love in the, the conversation how you shared the story of this gun being at your head and the thoughts inside of this young man, what was not being heard that created the scenario to be quote unquote invited to be in the same space with you. Um, Tony Robbins talks about the six basic human needs based mm. and his work comes from Erickson's um, principles, but there's basically the six basic human needs are certainty, uncertainty, connection, significance, contribution, and growth. And this young man was expressing the need for being significant mm. and possibly the need for connection and he was possibly in a space where he was certain it would go a particular way unless he exerted a different way of being violent to bring about the significance and so if we ourselves get to a place where we're expecting Everyone is expressing either certainty, uncertainty, a need for connection, a need for significance, a need for growth or contribution. And we're listening for within ourselves, what need do I have right now? And at the same time, listening for the need of the other in the room that we're in or in the tribes or in the choruses that we're in and find the most... Um, um, uh, kind way to express that or a way to grow the ability to amplify without one particular voice but amplify within the unit that song that voice that need that we're collectively expressing outward um and i i just see your face sweetheart and i'd love for you to <laughs> chime in I was going to say that, that you know, at the Peace Dragon, so in this experience that I had, and, and you know, my bullet wound is almost, the bullet that went through me is almost three feet. It, it entered above my heart, traveled along my spinal column, and exited out the top of my thigh. So it is literally almost two-thirds of my body. And, and this, you know, this great line there that almost split me didn't it unified me and and what I saw in that event right it's exactly how did we see each other as monsters view that's the first 
teaching lesson that I give in teaching peace. The second one is voice. In those few moments that in that I, you know, was in the attack in the restaurant, we saw this boy come and speak with a gun. We saw two young boys who called to us and called us to safety. Naomi, 13 years old, had her voice silenced by this violence along with her father at this dinner table. And the fear that was trying to silence our voice and, and the calls from when we escaped out into the night, the people who saved us, the, the taxi cab drivers who were out there saying, we'll take them, we'll take them, in the midst of this craziness. But I walked one doorway, walk through the door today and look at the door jam. It's no more than six or eight inches. And I walked out of that chaos into the most beautiful night ever. The choice to stay in that beautiful night or to live in that chaos forever is choice. And that's the third tenet, the third innate skill that we have in our life, which is choosing how we will respond to what we see and what we speak. And so in this, I have one symbol and it's a heart with a series of dots that surround the heart. And it's a heart compass. But in the idea of view, right, it is to learn to see ourselves with love because when we see ourselves with love, there are no judgments, there are no attachments that allow us to, to compare us to others. We are who we are and in love with ourselves and growing and comparing within ourselves. And when we have that self-love, then that self-love can help us see the world with love. And when we speak to ourselves with love, we carry that compassion outward to speak to the world with love. And when we make choices, we understand the interconnectedness of every one of those choices with not only our family, our lives, the people around us, you know, even cutting in a lunch line, cutting someone off in traffic, the connectedness that we have with one another on the smaller and larger scale once we connect with that inner true love and voice and choice, we will start to create changes in this world. And it really does start with the individual. It really starts and, and it starts with people choosing that positivity, not to be married. Yes, this happened to me, but look what I've learned from it. Yes, I experienced the darkest part of human consciousness actively at, 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 at play in front. What do I take forward of that? And will I energize that spirit or will I energize a different spirit, a balancing spirit, a spirit that hopefully will bring light to that darkness that says, I do not have to choose this. I choose love and compassion. I come out and say to you, how did this child get here? How can we teach love better than someone else can teach hate? How do we fill hearts? That's so beautiful. And that um, that basic, basic, how can we teach love to a greater degree? And we have a friend in Egypt, and he shares the story of how he fell in love with America. The, the, he would receive lunch boxes with um, a little note from the president in the lunch box that they received with these beautiful, this great food that they would get to eat with, you know, the food sent from here. And so he grew a great love for America. He lived in the U.S. for 10 years and even further. And for me, coming from a developing country, coming to uh, the United States, the principles on which this country was founded, that was, I loved learning that. I loved what it meant to be here on this land. What And today, what the natives and what that energy, that deep, deep, the way that I see our country, the voice that I give it, the choices that I make, and the purpose of that, the purpose of whatever experience you are in. Linda, you shared you could have been stuck in the chaos forever right. in your heart and in your yeah. mind, but you made an active choice to move out into the moment the moment of that night, the moment that you're living in now currently. And part of the way that you did that is to give that event a purpose. Whatever 
haunted you in the past or whatever is haunting me or you, dear listener, as soon as we put a purpose to it, and even if the purpose is how can I teach myself to be more loving than more hateful or how can this horrific experience I had teach me to be in the current moment now every time that I figure out oh I just had that awful memory again how can I use that awful the awareness of the awful memory to bring me into this current moment to experience what's possible right here in this moment and Greg you taught me this so well so I'd love for you to share and chime in well, that is one of the secrets to life, is that right there? And uh, Linda, your example is so um, exaggerated. It's like to, have to go through that type of reality and to be able to come out on the other side with, um, with uh, a higher message in it, with a higher purpose in it, is such a beautiful modeling for all human beings about how we take the sourest lemons and make some sort of lemonade out of it. So bravo to you on your journey and modeling, you know, uh, a beautiful example of taking something so tragic and um, pulling the gifts out of it and expressing those or giving those back to the world, which is something I was going to mention earlier when you asked me. It's like, you know, today we're so busy. It can be so easy to be absorbed in our own experience that we it's um, we have to place a great significance on listening to others and seeing how we can give back moment by moment because someone could have given back to that young man in his life just one moment that might have changed his course that could have changed his direction he wouldn't have been in that restaurant that night but he yeah but he was not so no one had took the chance to do that and so we can do that every day as a human being we can be listening more attentively and we can be give more of our attention to, wow, I hear something here. How can I, what question can I ask or how can I give back? Because people have asked me questions along the way, sitting in a coffee shop or, you know, here or there, and it changed the course of my life. So it's so powerful that we have the gift to do that. Uh, truly. Uh, Linda, go uh, ahead, please. Can I? I'll just share a really quick little story. We have a, I'm, I'm grateful that a, a, a wonderful publisher named Flower Pot Press has helped me put out two books to help teach peace early, early, uh, you know, from pre-K, right there, and starting to empower these thoughts. And, and obviously one of them is understanding and loving the gifts of who you are and removing the lenses that we have for ourselves. And in this book called Not Opposites, it, it, the little mantra is not better, not worse, not opposites, just different. Yeah. That's just different. The beautiful phrase. So one of the exercises that you trace your hand and then everybody in the class walks around and they write a word on that hand that describes you from how this person knows you. And and she said that there was a particularly shy little boy who was reading through the, the words on his hands and she saw his posture completely change. And he walked up with the hand in, you know, holding his hand and looking at the teacher with this beautiful face that said, someone called me brave. Hmm. <laughs> a child who looked at himself as very quiet, as very timid. And that word changed his life, hmm. changed his whole interaction with himself because he saw the lens of how he was viewing himself open up along with his heart, to understand, wow, you're brave, right? To allow new things to come into his life. And I, I love that story because... I um, love that you, story too. I want to just cut, because you're cutting in and out just a little bit. And I want to bring in your book, New Blossoms, that's coming out in um, your latest one in 2017, New Blossoms, the this, spring of 2017. That's, that's the blossoming. The two titles are How I Did It and Alpha Better. And Alpha Better. The two titles there your work is amazing. Your life story is such a gift that we've gotten to share. Will you come back and join us? 
Oh, of course, because I'd love to talk about um, going through cancer because, Greg, you had talked about it. So here was a word when the word cancer comes into our lives. Um, you mentioned lemons to lemonade. Well, if you don't allow the fear and all of that, right, that's a word. And it tells you a statement about where you are in your life. And um, the first thing I did when I heard that word is I, I planned a big, huge party. And for those more timid, we called it lemons to lemonade, but uh. I had to have a double mastectomy. <laughs> and so it was off with her boobs. Wow. And um, I had an awesome party to help everyone. And, and we had to have mammograms and we had to understand, uh, you know, I brought our refugee community in to understand that we need to help all people within our community come to understand what we need to all be healthy and giving in our communities. Um, and, and what I did on that cancer journey to create a different view and a different pathway for any of us going through this experience. Thank um, you, Linda, so much. And so next time we have you on, we'll have you talk about that beautifully. And we're mm. so looking forward to it. Thank you for going through all that you've gone through. And we have run out of time. And I'm so <laughs> we're so grateful. Thank you, baby, for this incredible you, date um, with Linda and Jarvis and UBN. Thank you, Miracle Makers. Please share this. Please visit drsarahlarson.com and sign up for the newsletter, and we will connect you to Linda, who's going out in our newsletter soon. Yes. We love you guys so much. Happy, happy Thanksgiving. We're so grateful for you. Thank you, Miracle Makers. The past is history. The future mystery This moment is the gift Every second we're together With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.